<laughs> Amen. Well, today we're going to take a little uh, shortcut and do a mini-series uh, today and next week, and then we'll jump back into uh, the Power of Jesus' Name series on prayer. And I can't wait for that either because there's so much that God's given me for you to release you into the breakthrough decade, the power of God moving in your lives and seeing answered prayer because your prayers are in line with the principle of the kingdom of God. Now, as we talk about marriage, I want you to understand we're going to talk about the spirit of marriage. Whether you're married, single, and or divorced, this message this week and next week are for you. It is to help us to create a culture of something that God calls holy and that God loves. He's placed that in every one of us, whether we are married or not, to walk in the spirit of a marriage, to walk in a covenant that is so real. Kingdom life is about honoring one another in relationships. This Tuesday, of course, we celebrate Happy Valentine's Day, but I want you to understand is that my Valentine is 365 days a year, and her name is Terry Klaus. We celebrate your marriage. We celebrate relationships. We celebrate your significant others. We celebrate your family. It's called the love of God. It's holy to be able to honor one another and to be able to walk in a relationship and a fellowship together that is so honoring. And that's what church is about. The church in many instances have forgotten about that and, and we struggle and we get offended and, and uh, we talk about other people, all that. And, and bottom line, that is not of God. We're to dwell in unity together. And it's holy unto the Lord. We're going to enlarge your passion for relationships because there are many that <clears throat> have gotten hurt through relationships <clears throat> who have given themselves into uh, a relationship or fellowship or friendship. And a month, two months, three months, a year, those people have hurt your feelings and then you have straight away from true relationship. Um, we have a tendency to um, just kind of put people in a box, and this is the way you're supposed to be, where how many of you know when you got married, you found out right away your spouse is not like you? Amen? And we've learned before in teachings that we have done regarding marriage is that our, our goal in a marriage, our goal in a relationship is to be that person that is able to help the other person attain the purposes and the goals that God has set in their life. And we create that atmosphere, we create that culture. You find out last year, I told you, we're going to be talking more about um, culture and creating this, this church biblical kingdom culture in the church as we move into this realm. 
And there's such peace and joy in doing that. And I just want to tell you, everybody in this house, everybody listening online, watching online, I want you to know this is what God has placed in you, what we're going to talk about, the spirit of marriage. It's holy, and we are to honor it, and we are to love it, and not allow life, not allow people who don't understand it to uh, create a, a, a wrong culture of relationship. By the way, uh, speaking of a relationship, men, we had a great time yesterday morning or breakfast and powerful, uh, just time getting together with men. And it was just awesome. I was able to pray with some people and and uh, had a report yesterday afternoon. A uh, gentleman received the Lord later on that day. And um, you know, just the fellowship, the relationship that goes on. And uh, let me just, this is funny, and then we'll dive in because I got a lot to share with you. Um, matter of fact, I've been thinking about you all morning long since about 3 o'clock. I got here at 6 o'clock this morning, and I've been praying for you, and God's been speaking to me about us. And uh, so just forgive me if... I have a tendency today to jump from one thing to another is because what God's doing is he's speaking to us collectively and to individuals. You watching online, please listen. Please know that God is speaking and God is wanting to bring you into a place where there's such joy in your heart knowing that you are loved and there's something huge and holy in you. And I thought this was pretty funny. I was reading this the other day. It says, my wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? And I thought, that's a pretty weird way to start a conversation. (laughs) See, there's going to be a crescendo of laughter because some of you didn't get that right away. And... uh, so if your neighbor didn't get it, just kind of turn to them and explain it to them. Amen. The spirit of marriage. Please turn to Malachi chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 11 in a little bit. As we discuss marriage, think about your home also. Think about your home. I'm going to be discussing with you the Holy Spirit and his role in marriage relationships, which literally is a holy thing that manifests whether you are single or married. Every believer has through salvation the Holy Spirit. So to say, I don't understand this, I don't get this, I just get this. The Holy Spirit is in you and this holy thing, this holy person, this holy just manifestation of God was put in you. And you need to recognize this, that for you to think today what I'm talking about, that this can never happen for you, with you, in you, today, tomorrow, uh, you're listening to the wrong voice. The enemy hates marriage because the spirit of marriage, because it represents God himself and his character. We live in a world that traditional marriage is under attack. 
I have, for the past six months, have been doing my own uh, study regarding the home and relationship in the home and asking people who are not saved, to you, what is a home? And in most cases, they cannot describe what home is. What your home is, is a manifestation of the spirit of marriage. And so let's dive into this. Let's begin to understand in a greater way uh, what that is and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. Amen? Are you ready for that? All right. So you must know God created marriage perfectly and calls marriage the holy institution that he loves. The holy institution that he loves. When you hear someone bad-mouthing marriage, they are bad-mouthing and talking about something God loves. Put that in your craw there. Put that in your thinking process. Is that when we have negative thoughts about relationships or anything, or we live our life in bitterness and anger regarding what people have done, you literally are bitter and angry about what God, a perfect thing that God created and God ordained for man to have. Follow this in Malachi chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves, he, is, he has married the daughter of a foreign god. So right away we see that Malachi is talking about the spirit of marriage, the institution that is holy, that God loves, and why he loves it is because he chose to marry you. He chose to be in love with you. He chose you. And we have to get that. God chose you, and then from there you receive that love, and you chose him if you are born again. If you're not, I'm saying to you, choose God. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will have the same power and spirit of marriage in you. So God created marriage and said to Israel, I don't want you marrying people who serve other gods, who literally are worshiping and serving and relating with those that do not relate with God and or relate with God's ways. See, a lot of times when a pastor says things like that, oh, we're, we're to despise people who are not born again. No, we're to love them. We're to love people who are not born again. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It didn't say God so loved the church and he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world. And we are to love the world because God is love. We're created in his image and likeness, so we are love. And for us to have a lifestyle that is bitter towards relationships, whether it's marriage or friendships or whatever, then what we are doing is we are despising the very thing that God created. 
Solomon married a thousand wives, and many were of other gods. And they turned Solomon's heart from the only God. Verse 11 says, They have profaned the Lord's holy institution. Holy means set apart for God. So in everything from marriage to relationships, fellowship, all church relationship, not forsaking together, of the believers together, all of that is to be set apart for God. Every person you meet is set apart for God to work in you to create a culture of this holy institution called love. So let me set us up for the meat of my message today, and then I'm going to give you some points. So quickly, let's just cover this. First, I want to say to you, God created marriage to succeed 100% of the time. You don't have a 50% chance or 75% chance of success in your marriage. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage when you do it God's way. God doesn't create junk. He doesn't create anything that will harm us. So that's not the heart of God. God, why did you do this? God didn't do that. God created a holy institution that he loves. So hear me out. In Genesis chapter 1, God created everything and looked at it and said it's good, except one thing. Remember the story of creation. He saw man by himself and said that's not good. So he created marriage. He created woman for man or man for woman. Marriage is the first institution God created. And it is the foundational institution of all society. That is the identity of the home. Whether you are married or single, the identity of the home is this holy institution that God loves. It is a culture of love and helping one another become everything that God has purposed you to be. Before God created a government, he created marriage. Before God created a church, he created marriage. Before God created anything else, God created marriage as the foundation of society, as the foundation of your home. And you ask people today, what is a home? Like the, the statement, you know, the uh, things need to go back to the home. They have no clue what that is. I'm telling you what it is. The identity of the home is what marriage truly is, relationships. So here's world history in a nutshell. This is what's happened in our world from the beginning. As goes marriage... As goes society. As goes marriage, as goes society. The first thing the devil does to destroy any society, if you study history, and I do, is to destroy marriage in that society. He wants to destroy the home. You ask society where the definition of the home is, and again, they don't know, but here's the good news, all right? When God is going to rebuild a society, he does it two ways. Through history, biblical history and history. First, number one, 
He uses the gospel of Jesus Christ, relationship with God. Love meeting love. And the second is God rebuilds the marriage. See, a husband and wife in Ephesians 5, we did this uh, last year. In Ephesians 5, the husband and wife relationship with God is literally an identity of our relationship with God. The husband and wife relationship is a mirror of the relationship God has with us because it's holy and it's what God loves. The number one thing that people need is Jesus and the number two thing people need is family. Don't give up on it, church. Those watching and listening, don't give up on this. Don't listen to the stuff of the world trying to demean and to uh, get rid of. It doesn't take a village. It takes a home. It takes a home. So it is, here it is, God and family. The devil is an all-out attack for a long time. And in this attack, you hear people who are bitter and negative about marriage. They replace it with other non-biblical relationships. You fill in the blank. They're talking about the holy institution that God loves. It is perfect, and God created it. But when you don't know the spirit of marriage, you don't know God's ways. Yeah, but this is what happened. This is what my parents did. I was raised in a single-parent home. I understand that, and I get that. I understand that the, the pain and the suffering and the hardship of, of people's choices uh, in your life, but I want you to understand it does not change the institution that God created. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. What I'm trying to really be to you is someone that is crying in the wilderness and saying, hey, hey, I know you're thinking this way. I know you're doing this. I know you're, you're angry. And I know all these things have gone bad and you've tried this stuff that, that, you're, that I'm talking about, but it's just not working for you. I want to tell you, God's way works. And we have to decide to look in the mirror and say, it doesn't matter whatever tribulation, I will have joy in the midst of tribulation, attacks of the enemy, and I will love the same institution that God loves. Amen? Here's the second thing to set up my message. Marriage works based on God's plan and or his word. But you know, and, and I, I gave this to you last, I think it was September. In 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married in 1930. Today, 49.5%, it's gone down 0.2% since last year. 49.7% of adult Americans are married. So again, here's the question. What is the difference between 1930 and today? many more people believed in the Bible in 1930 than they do today. 
Society based their values on the Bible. Oh, pastor, that's so simple. You know, we're, we're contemporary day and things have changed and, and you need to form yourself into the things of today and what, what is happening today, what meets the needs of people today. I want to tell you from the beginning, God's institution meets the needs of people. And it's a loving relationship. I can remember in school in the 60s and 70s. Gee, that's a long time ago. Every morning over the loudspeaker, we stood and prayed in Jesus' name. The Ten Commandments hung in the school office and many government buildings. They hung in businesses. Relationship with God is the definition of the home. And literally, businesses were run with Ten Commandments mentality. And so you saw in America during these times, you, you saw the rebellion of the 60s, all that. But in America, the prosperity of God manifested from the 1930s. Why is that? It's because people believe the Bible and God's holy institution. Now, to the degree that we have rejected the word of God, marriage does not work in our society as it is. To the degree we've rejected the word. People don't know the word. They've rejected it, and they're going to do it their way. And they buy, and I'm not against these, because I read them. I want to know where society is. But I keep my heart in tune with the word of God. These self-help books that are out there, many of them are wonderful. But I, I want to tell you, it, where in that book does it bring you back to God's holy institution? And we have to recognize that in our lives. I submit to you, church, we need to go back to the Word of God and make it the foundation of our lives and the foundation of our marriage. We have to go back to that. <clears throat> the basis of all relationships is knowing God. The basis of your singleness is knowing God and relating with him because he chose to marry you. So here is marriage, biblical mathematics. We have talked about this also through the years. Marriage, biblical mathematics. Two plus one equals one. What does that mean? Two people who invite the Holy Spirit in their marriage become one. Why is that a truth? Why would that work? Because the Holy Spirit binds us together in the deepest intimacy possible in a marriage relationship based on the Word of God. The sexual things of the marriage is a manifestation of an intimacy of love. It's not sex and then love. It is a part of, like everything else, agreement, unity, working together, praying together, coming in agreement. Because uh, when I do uh, premarital counseling, I do a whole schematic for the people, and I say, uh, marriage was not created for happiness. For if it was, everybody that is married would be happy. 
Marriage was created for agreement because when you come in agreement, you will be happy. And we have to get to a place in our lives that we understand that and we work towards that. And how many of you, you can raise your hands like this. How many of you, through the years of your marriage or any relationship you've had, been in disagreement with that significant other? Right? Okay. I've seen the back worshiping the Lord. (laughs) You had everything raised. Here's the other biblical marriage mathematics. Two minus one equals two. Two people who reject the Holy Spirit in their lives remain divided. It is an absolute truth. You can't halfway do it, think about it might work in this area, but it won't work in that area. It works 100% of the time. And so you and I, even if there's disunity, must work in our personal walk in that relationship with God, invite the Holy Spirit, and because of you, there could be an excitement of intimacy true intimacy that God gives. You cannot enjoy this intimacy and joy in your marriage until you invite the Holy Spirit into your marriage. Last week, we talked about prayer's relationship with God, which give you the ability to have relationship with your spouse. Now, this is very important. God, through the Holy Spirit, fills us and meets our deepest needs, which is impossible for your spouse or significant other to fill. Let me say it again. God, through the Holy Spirit, fills us and meets our deepest need, which is impossible for your spouse or significant other to fill. You're expecting your spouse to fill that need, to heal that body, to to heal your mind, to heal your emotions. Your spouse cannot. God does. Remember the story of the woman at the well who had five husbands. Jesus said to the woman, if you keep drinking from that well, you will always be thirsty. But I have water, living water, to give you, and you'll never be thirsty. What's this talking about? It says, you keep asking those husbands to fill your need, but your husband can't do it. You'll always be thirsting for more. Jesus said, but if you knew the gift of God was talking to you at this moment, to the woman at the well, you would ask of him and never thirst again. Jesus wasn't talking about, again, the water from the well. Jesus was saying, you are trying to get your soul thirst met from a man or a woman. Now, I'm going to say this. Please keep saying it for your marriage if you have said this. 
Terry is not my soulmate. Because if Terry was my soulmate, then Terry and I would have problems in my marriage. But Terry and I have the Holy Spirit together in our marriage. And because of the Holy Spirit, our soul thirst is met and then we can give to one another and love each other the way God has called us to love. That holy institution. See, church family, I'm not trying to be this religious, zealot, spiritual giant in your life. I'm just trying to tell you a simple truth. And then we have allowed life to steer us away and try to make it happen some other way. It does not happen any other way. This is the way it is. You have different personalities. Uh, Some of you are quiet. Some of you are boisterous. That's great. That's the way God created you as an individual. But everyone, no matter what personality you have, no matter what gifting you have, always goes back to a marriage, the spirit of marriage that is holy and God loves. And it's three which make one. Jesus was saying, you are trying to get your soul thirst met from a man or a woman, and they can't do it. No matter how wonderful they are, they can't do it. Your deepest needs cannot be met by a human being. So here are four basic needs that the spirit of marriage will accomplish in your life and make it 100% real to you. Four basic needs. Acceptance, identity, purity, and purpose. Acceptance, identity, purity, and purpose. Only God can meet and fulfill these in your life. No one else. No one else. Now, Terry knows purposes, my call, my gifting. It's taken her a while, but I'm pretty confusing. Amen. Don't look at me that way. So are you. But she now accepts these four that we're trusting the Holy Spirit to fulfill in me and in her. And I'm this one that's her cheerleader, and she's a cheerleader to me. Amen. Many people are not acknowledging that only God can meet their four basic needs. So they naturally transfer the responsibility. Listen, they naturally transfer the responsibility to their spouse or another human being, setting themselves up for failure we set ourselves up for failure. I'm telling you, the enemy is coming at you, some of you right now, and saying, I wish he'd just shut up about this. Let's go on and talk about financial prosperity. But I'll tell you what, you know where a lot of financial prosperity is removed from our lives? Because we don't love this holy institution. Amen. 
I want you to know I'm, I'm a good Gary, but I'm a bad Jesus. Terry's a good Terry, but she's a terrible Jesus. She's next door, so I'm safe. <laughs> Everyone take a deep breath. Come on. Let's, let's, just, let's go with this because this has been the attack of the enemy through history. And he's done a good job with a lot of people. In your relationship, stop demanding out of each other what only Jesus can fulfill. When I found disunity in my home, it's because I was demanding from Terry something she couldn't do. Amen. Back to the woman at the well. She was beaten up, abused, and cynical like our society is today. Jesus came to her and went right to the root of her marriage problem. Remember? Five husbands. And then she's living with someone. Because marriage didn't work, so I'm just going to live with someone. Jesus said, if you would just ask me, I would meet the need of your soul thirst. And you will never need to drink out of your well again. Let me, let me just tell you, this is what she was saying. What Jesus was saying to her is you have tried and tried and tried this holy thing that God created with the wrong understanding. And because of that, you have developed a passion for men that can't fulfill all this real stuff that God created, the spirit of marriage, and you've basically gone down to, are you going to provide or we're going to have sex? And it doesn't fulfill. Some of you are young and single and, and you have saved yourself for marriage. Uh, understand this. Is that when you understand intimacy starts with God. It starts with your relationship with God. And then it gives you insight of what your marriage would be so that you base your marriage relationship on those times when your spouse walked out of the room with their hair messy or their makeup not on. I'm looking at you because many of you know you probably didn't see your spouse not looking good until after you were married. And probably to some, because they're so insecure, six months later, you came home early from work and caught them without their makeup on. And they screamed and ran into the room, why didn't you call? <laughs> because that's what not understanding the spirit of marriage does. Such insecurity. Such doubt of who you are. Your purposes change from one day to the next instead of keeping focused on what God has said to you. God's not schizophrenic. God doesn't change one week to another. You know, it amazes me how 
so many people have prophetic words and it like means this and then this and opposite of this and this and this and God said this. and what else? Didn't he say this before? I remember what God said for you. You told me 10 years ago, but now it's totally different. Well, I must have missed God. No, you missed the reality of the spirit of marriage relationship and true love that is in you. You have the ability to love the way God has created you. You have that ability, but you need to understand it. We are designed to love God first, and out of the overflow of God's love, we then love each other. That's how marriage works. That's why I was talking to someone earlier today, and and that's why, you know, I, I love my wife, and that's why I honor men and women of this congregation or wherever I go. And, and I know in the reality that I love both men and women in this room. And I can hug men and women, but I do it with honor. I hug a certain way, you know, with women. I don't do chest to chest. And all the different things, I do that, why? Because I honor God in purity, and I honor my wife. And I live my, my life that way. In four, almost 44 years of marriage, I have never gone out with someone in business of church or whatever of the opposite sex by themselves. Never, ever, and never will. So I've had women say, well, can we? They're business people, and they're used to that. You know, and hey, I'm not begrudging what business makes you do it. Your boss wants you to meet someone at a restaurant, whatever. But here's the reality. I have the ability to choose, and I choose not to do that. Not because I'm afraid I might do something or feel something. It's because I honor God as a pastor, and I honor my wife as a husband. And when you come in my office, in, in, in my office, and, and, uh, you're of the opposite sex, uh, I will make sure when you do come in that there will be someone just outside the door uh, there, uh, my assistant or someone there. And if for some reason someone's not there, I will not meet with, with a female in my office unless someone's in the office. I've done that. You know I love you. I express love. Not only because I walk in the spirit of God's holy institution, but I'm German. And growing up, I mean, cousins, sister, brother, we greet each other and kiss each other. We're German. You know, some people look, whoa, you know, but that's just, I was raised that way. So I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, you know, I'm normal guy, but, you know, I'm very, because of my bring up, my culture is uh, I love to hug people. And sometimes I ask permission. And some of you, you probably experienced this with me. I say, you mind if I hug you? Because I want to express the love that's inside me for people. Not just a woman or a wife, but a sister and a brother. Your family to me. 
And when the church comes together with the understanding of the spirit of marriage and coming together as a church, then there's a love, a culture of love and a culture of honor that's here. And we walk around with one another and we can hug and, and, and just all the things that we do expressing the love of God and it's pure and it's holy. All right, here's the third. The Holy Spirit allows us to love beyond our human capacity. 1 John 4.16 says this, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love isn't something, it is someone. God is love. And you're created in his image and likeness, so you are love. I know some people take it to extremes and say, I'm love. That's not what I'm talking about. The pure, holy love of God loving one another. So love is someone. There is a cheap human love. It's a dime a dozen. It's predatorial. It's plastic. It's easy come, easy go. I'm ministering to... Uh, a young man and young woman at the club where I work out and um, some of you that work out there with with me and are there that are in this house right now, uh, I won't tell you their names, but um, they're both divorced. They both have said they'll never get married again because they're angry and bitter and everything. But they meet every once a week for breakfast at her place and they have sex and then they have breakfast, and then they come and work out. That's why they're late on that day. Because they're never going to get married again. Well, I, I, bottom line, I just want to tell you, um, I got a job to do. And I'm going to minister to them, and I'm going to touch their lives, and God's going to turn that around. Something big is going to happen for them. Amen. God's love is a love that never leaves either. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're never alone when you understand the spirit of marriage. God said this and he means it. By the way, that's also covenant language. And if you understand covenant, we'll have Pastor Dan one day teach on covenant because you're really good with it. And we're going we're gonna to show you what covenant really is. Covenant is that Jesus Christ died so you can live this love life. Galatians 5, 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Nothing can come against it. You start living in the ways of God in this, nothing can come against it. All attacks from hell can come but it's not going to do anything because you are living it God's way. So the love I'm talking about comes from God and or from outside of us. We don't have love until we accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior, and then that is the Holy Spirit love is dropped into us. We don't have the capacity to love apart from God. you got the Hollywood movies, and they argue, fight, yell, scream, in the last two minutes, they're hugging, they get married, and then they're on some beautiful beach celebrating life together. Remember the Garden of Eden. God told Adam not to partake of the tree of life, 
and the day that he did, he would die. The Bible tells us when God created Adam, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So notice, he said, if you do this, you will die. That was not oxygen that he breathed. What he breathed into Adam was the Holy Spirit. Why do I know that? Because the answer is because uh, when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of life, they still had oxygen in their lungs. They still lived. But they died spiritually. They died spiritually the day they ate of the tree. And what we need to understand, that if we are living our life in this spiritual death, not confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and not walking in his ways, what you have in relationships are two dead people. When you're not doing it God's way, when you're not walking in that love and you're expecting your spouse or your significant other, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or even friend to fulfill your soul thirst, to fulfill your need, you are two dead people And what can dead people accomplish? Nothing. Everything they do will die. Everything they do. And they run around because you might have one that's alive in God and believe in God, but you have the other one who is rejecting it. And many instances, you'll find them having affairs. You'll find them doing the things that they do and, and creating such havoc in the world, and then the world says, well, you know, marriage is hard. No, marriage is holy. And God has imparted into you the Holy Spirit, and because of that, you are holy, and when you love that, you will relate to one another the way God says. And if someone, okay, I had to do this. You can tell, man, I, I took 500 pages and made them into 14 pages because there's so much that I've studied on this. But I just want you to understand this, the reality. If we get to the place of of walking in life and not doing it God's way, I, I want you to recognize every vision you have, every goal you have, everything that you have passion to accomplish in your life will either always have great difficulty to accomplish or it will die. And I believe that's why there are so many believers today, we're growing in the Lord here, and we're diving in the Word of God. We're doing a discipleship. We're doing all these things. And by the way, all you men that came, if you, if you missed yesterday, it was just awesome to be with all those men. But I'll tell you what, if, if we're living our lives in this lifestyle, we struggle and we're blaming God, and we're blaming marriage, and we're blaming this person, that person, because there's not one human being in this room that can fulfill my, th- my soul thirst. Not one. And my wife was sitting here. She can't do it either. She can't. It's an impossibility. That's not the way God created it. And because God created it that way, it's an impossibility. But with God, 
all things are possible. And your relationship can just absolutely change because the love of God that's inside you will just absolutely blow you away. It will absolutely create an atmosphere for you and for your significant other, for your, your spouse, for your friend, your sister, brother in the Lord. And there will be such a huge difference in all things. That's what Genesis 3 talks about. Genesis 6 says the entire world was immoral and corrupt, being spiritually dead. Spiritually alive is loving this holy institution. Love. But because they rejected God within days and years, the entire world was immoral and corrupt. That's what happened when what happens when we don't have the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our marriage. Real God purpose life. I'm going to ask us to stand because I just put a break here and we're going to continue next week and I'm going to show you how. How many of you really understand that the Bible actually tells us how? How to do all this? God created something and he's given us how. And so that's my job next week is to show you how. And um, I want to tell you it works. Works in my home and many people that I know that have grabbed a hold of this truth. But we need to make a choice today, every one of us. Even if you think you have the greatest marriage in the world, and you probably do. But we need to make a choice. There are areas in our life, our soul, our soul thirst. That we feel like someone's not meeting the need. I want to say to you very quickly, because you swayed and you rejected the Holy Spirit in that area in your life. It's not psychology, this is spiritual. But because it's spiritual, it will connect with your psychological life. It will connect with your emotions. And you lose. When that happens, you don't connect with that. That ability to succeed 100% of the time. Hmm. There's such joy in that. I go home knowing my home is holy. It's crazy sometimes. It's even hard sometimes. But my home is holy. And the joy that I have is that if I'm out of line, all I have to do is 
Make a choice. This is how it's supposed to be. This is what God said. Again, next week, I'll show you. Bring your friends. Bring your relatives. Let them hear the truth. Have them watch this week what I just said. It'll transform you. Some of you are, wow, this is really cool. I didn't really see it this way. And some of you are still fighting that battle, those choices of the past because of hurt and bitterness and anger. And you're just like, I'm a little uncomfortable now because I protected myself not like the woman at the well, but kind of from my soul hurts. And you need to release that to the Lord and say, God, show me how to love. Show me how to forgive. Forgiveness is for the forgiver, not the forgivee. Because you forgive doesn't mean you say, oh, that's okay, you beat me up. No, they beat you up. Run. So I'm just going to just pause a moment and as she plays the piano, I want you just to take a spiritual breath. Knowing the Holy Spirit, that's what took place. When you became born again, Holy Spirit totally renewed your spirit. Brand new. And you can do this thing. So let me pause for a moment. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our place. You are welcome in our homes. Especially you are welcome in our relationships. Lord, I pray for all, whether they're married or not. In Jesus' name. I come against the enemy that has lied and deceived. And I say, take your filthy, stupid hands off of them devil, you have no authority. And I take authority in Jesus' name. And I just say, now you have no power because the truth has set us free today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for healing. Emotional healing. Thank you, Lord, for physical healing. Lord, some are struggling physically because of the emotion of a a soul thirst. And I proclaim in Jesus' name that all is well. Let Tuesday not be a heartache to many, but let it be a joy that they have intimacy with you. They have intimacy with you. And because of that intimacy, they no longer have a soul thirst. 
but they continue to thirst after God and His ways and His truth that will absolutely transform their thinking and their actions. And Lord, I proclaim a blessing over Valley Community Church and every home represented here. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give the Lord an applause? Can you? The elders will be up front.